0: And welcome, it's another Joshi 2010's Journey episode here from Redleaf Retrocast. If you're listening on the Patreon, thank you for joining and supporting everything that we are doing over here. And if you're listening on the free feed over at All Japan Women Destiny Podcast, also thank you for listening there and spread, at least help spread the word. I'm your host, JD, joined from the man that I love doing these things with, JPQ, you're back
1: what up man thanks for bringing me back on
0: yeah and what an episode it is now you have history with stardom it's kind of what started everything for you is that correct
1: i think so i got branded early <laughs> um you know but uh but yeah it was fun again we've been going through 2011 and we finally get to stardom and what will eventually be called their year-end climax show and that was <laughs> right super fun because. You know, I've seen it, but it's been years, and to see what they are now, and then go back, and be like, oh yeah, that happened, and that looked like that, and you know, everything. It was just, it was a trip. So, uh, fun to see how far they've come because it's crazy where they started to where they are now.
0: It's always interesting to see humble beginnings, and especially mm-hmm. for a lot of the wrestlers that we uh, maybe missed out on or came to love over a long period of time. And what's interesting to me is the key players involved in starting a promotion and how usually and eventually, I guess with the exception of one, Miami Ozaki, they always end up falling out of favor with the thing they started. It happens more often than not, believe it or not. Uh, Kyoko lost a lot of favor with talent along with Neo. Uh, We'll get into some Neo. I do have some news as we get into that. Nanai uh, and Yoshiko and company and that whole crew uh, with... We'll eventually get to that moment in time for stardom, but uh, Fuka even had very short beginnings with stardom. Ice Ribbon with Emi Sakura, which we're in the heart of. Uh, She's about... (laughs) We're going to get to that episode within the next one or two here where she essentially announces her uh, official... Leaving of the promotion, which, by the way, JPQ, uh, I was able to cooperate, corrobor- uh, cooperate, cooperate from uh, three sources that Emi Sakura didn't officially announce her leaving Ice Ribbon until the January show in 2012, but the wrestling press and insiders essentially knew that back in May 2011. I found that interesting. Along with the closure of Neo, it was all kind of going at the same time, but it wasn't. Uh, a lot of it wasn't officially announced, even though everyone kind of knew about that. So it's funny how insiders tend to know these things before the general public.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, sure.
0: Yeah. So we are doing Stardom End Stars in Osaka, which actually had the more prominent uh, matches on it, and the fact I th- I thought this was interesting. Um, the archive on stardomworld.com uh, is the Tokyo show, just isn't in the archive. Uh, found that interesting how they went from kind of this year end stars kind of double shot and it ends up branding one way or another. And you can kind of see an evolution over time and how they start branding shows.
1: I can't understand. Um, the archives, mm-hmm. that, that whole situation, it's um, because I think you could get a better, you know, again, like 2012, 2013, 2014 and kind of how they, you know, navigated through those times. It'd be interesting um, to see that in more of a chronological way. But um, yeah. So I never really got a vibe or a feel for it. It was just kind of <laughs> like jump in, see what I could move on to the next thing.
0: Right. So our goal on this podcast is to recount Joshi Professional Wrestling coming out of the dark ages. And I was able to procure a couple magazines, uh, thanks to the money uh, from Patreon, which is a big help in acquiring some like old shoe pro and uh, articles and whatnot. And one interesting uh, uh, aspect of the uh, news that was coming out at the time uh, I just opened the wrong spreadsheet. <laughs> uh, what was I saying? One aspect uh, of news that was coming out of the time was at the turn of 2011 specifically. Uh, there was a big discussion among not just fans but also insiders. Uh, Fumi Saito, one of them. Uh, perhaps you've heard of this man. <laughs> uh. There was a lot of talk that Joshi was actually going to go through another down period because there was there was the closure of NEO as something pretty devastating to the scene or at least perceived at the time and uh the fact that uh I think it was like Ikai was another promotion that went down um Michinoku Pro and Osaka Pro and all these weren't doing so good so there wasn't a lot of work going around and this was there was the rumor and announcements of stardom and diana starting up but with very little fanfare to it all so i found that interesting that the whole purpose of this project is coming out of the dark age while of the time the perception was they were going to go into an even further dark age of it all what do you think about that
1: Yeah, I mean, sometimes you don't, you know, it's cyclical, right? Mm -hmm. And sometimes you know the rebound's going to come, but it's got to get a little worse before it gets a little better. And so that's where we are. That's exciting, because that means people are going to stick around, and then there should be a cornerstone part of the fandom to be able to build out from. Um, I think we kind of see that as the years go on a little bit.
0: I think we're kind of seeing it right now, Because as I was going through my uh, various spreadsheets that I make uh, throughout these things, whether it's attendance or just my favorite matches, uh, how many matches I'm keeping track of, who are the wrestlers that are kind of standing out above others at the time. And I got to say, and we're going to get into a lot more in the next couple episodes where we start doing the 2011 uh, quote-unquote year-end awards, (laughs) but uh, the output level of young, fresh talent, and just the overall output from a wrestling standpoint has significantly increased from 2010 to 2011. In my opinion, Uh, we're tracking JWP, Stardom, Ice Ribbon, a lot of these companies, and I think the biggest thing I noticed, uh, because there is something we're covering uh, on this episode besides Stardom, which again, more teasing, is... As the old companies, or at least the companies that booked the stars of the 90s, which in this case is Neo, as I'm referencing, and Oz Academy having the Kauru injury earlier in the year, there was a significant backstep in them just kind of being in the scene. And this allowed for a company like Wave or JWP to really highlight young, fresh talent and of course, stardom coming up and Nanai Takahashi and her crew uh, starting uh, a bunch of fresh new talent themselves. The output's pretty incredible. I have so many more just memorable high end quality matches. And I must say, the output of Kana specifically, uh, two times, three times over what she was able to do in years prior. This was kind of this, this really truly felt like the start to something was 2011. So on yeah, this episode, go ahead. Yeah. So on this episode, we're doing Stardom, Urine Stars, Osaka 2011, which took place on December 11th, uh, 2011. I'm sorry, December 23rd, 2011. We're also going to do uh, a little backtrack to a title defense, uh, which was on November 12th, 2011. And it's the very first Red Belt title defense. And you can find this on YouTube and a number of other sites. It is not on stardomworld.com. That is Nanai defending against Natsuki Tayo. And then, as promised, I went back and I did a little backlog watching. Something I felt the first time around I completely missed out on. That... Is some key matches and shows from Neo before its closer in 2010. Because now that we've been doing this for quite some time, I kind of got a bit better feel of how to cover something, what to look out for. And uh, so there's some um, uh, missing matches we didn't cover in past podcasts. And then uh, a full show at the end of it all, which is uh, Neo Summer Stampede in Nagoya, July 25th, 2010. Uh, so there's some. Um, some more shows to look forward to. So there's, uh, I got four Neo DVDs uh, that came and uh, we'll be covering uh, the first one on this show. And then uh, the next uh, three episodes we'll, we'll uh, finish off those Neo DVDs to fill in those gaps that we missed out on. You ready to get this thing started? Let's do it. Okay. So, the backlog we didn't cover, and it's the Nene show of 2010. And if you could tell from the music that started off this episode, Nanae Takahashi is very prevalent in this episode. So, JPQ, what is your, at least, opinion and I guess uh, career perspective of Nanai, kind of top of your head?
1: I like that she's still active, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, regardless of booking decisions and how she kept herself in in a favorable position uh, in a lot of different ways over a lot of different years. She works and she continues to work and she's still working and she's working with Stardom and Gleet right now. And it's like, good for her. And if this is a retirement thing, cool if it's. Just another year of of, of Nane, then, hey, you know, good on you. Um, either way, it's like, and I think that was kind of my takeaway from this entire episode, uh, this entire show, was like, there are a lot of these women that are still wrestling. And it's been at yes. least 10 years, and they had a career before this. And that's pretty awesome. Um, and I think, like, going back and watching this and then uh, what we watched after, it's like you kind of sit there and you kind of have, like a little bit more appreciation for like, this, she's, this chick's been doing it forever. <laughs> and she's, like, active, too. It's crazy.
0: A lot of them are. Awesome. A lot of them are. Uh, that, that's the age-old joke with uh, the Joshi wrestling scene in general is uh, the women of the past that stick around will never retire and they refuse to give up their spots and push other people because of the perception that they won't be able to hang with them and... uh stick around themselves long enough to take their spots. Yeah, there's a number of other ways you can put it, but I think uh, that gets the gist across. But
1: Which makes Nani's year this year fun, because she's kind <laughs> of on a tour. You know what I mean? Like, not running seedling, not booking for one spot. Like, she just gets to go be a free agent. Fun year for her, I think. We're going to get a showcase the back six months. Um, yeah, it's uh,
0: kind of relevant to right now, because she did just re-show up in stardom.
1: Absolutely. Uh, this is like a perfect parallel.
0: Yeah, it's 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 great how this tends to work out uh, more often than not. So, uh, just right quick, uh, this is a little backlog filling here. Neo 10th Anniversary Spectacle in Seichi Kawasaki. Uh, reminder, this was the show with uh, the Yoshiko Tamura versus Meiko Satomura match in the main event, uh, which we covered back in episode three. Uh, Nanai faced one Hiroyo Matsumoto, who's been making the... Uh, a lot of uh, Joshi fans have been bringing up Haroyo in conversation as of late at this point in time, because it's like, you know, it's mid-season award things, and a lot of people are saying Haroyo is vastly underrated. She's having an underrated year here in 2022. Well, I'm looking at, like, 2011, and her output is much larger, but she's kind of more or less in the same position, uh, you know, 11 years later which is wild to see. And in this match, it's Nanai Takahashi defeating Hiroyo Matsumoto in three minutes. And usually you would look at that just timestamp and your first thought would be, Wow, how good could this match be? Well, actually it opens up with Hiroyo getting, uh, her four straight backdrop drivers on Nene for near falls. Nene goes into full counter wrestling mode from there. She kicks out, uh, they're hitting shining wizards. They're slapping. Basically, they fit essentially a seven to 10 minute match in three minutes with no selling. So, you know, Nanai's specialty. Uh, and Nanai ends up winning with a small package. I actually thought this was a neat little match that they were able to put together right in the mid card. And it was pretty fire. So, look at that. See, I got positive yeah. things to say sometimes. <laughs> of
1: course. Can't hate on the whole career.
0: Yeah, well, there there are. Look, I have my opinions on her. I, I make that very clear. But to say she's a bad wrestler and she doesn't doesn't get it, uh, oh no, she gets it. She definitely gets wrestling. She totally gets. it. I've compared oh, her goodness. to like Jeff Jarrett many times. Like they understand <laughs> how to quote unquote work.
1: <laughs> no doubt. No doubt about it.
0: Yeah. Fuka and Shinobu Kandori from the same show defeated Emi Sakura and Kyoko Inoue. Now, this was more for my curiosity because this is what I was talking about, the veterans kind of sticking around and getting booked on from from certain promotions. Seven and a half minutes. This was like a fever dream tag match and was absolutely treated as such. It was there and it was done. Uh, Kyoko in her absolute awful clown gear. She looks like a ca- clown. She moves like a clown. Just a massive house compared to the others, which we're, we're going to get to uh, a certain match on another Neo show at the end. But uh, these old AJW wrestlers from the 80s and 90s that have stuck around, they are so much larger than everyone else in the scene currently. And it's amazing to see. You know what I'm talking about, JPQ?
1: Yeah, they're just beating
0: people up. Well, they're also like three times the size. Right in a world where five seven is <laughs> a giant. <laughs> uh, yeah, M8. I miss
1: the days of like power Joshi. You know what I mean? I mean, like they're that, still out there. That little era. Yeah, they're out there in, in some degrees, but man, back then it felt like any given match. You know, you could uh, you could line up like just a strong power match. Like everybody was doing it back then.
0: Well, yeah, like Eagle Sawai going toe-to-toe with, uh, with Aja Kong, for example.
1: Or sure, exactly.
0: Yeah. So Emmy Soccer and Kandori took most of the match, while Kyoko would waddle in and no-sell. Uh, Like, Fuka would go over, Kyoko would just would brush her off like a mosquito um, as Fuka would try to break things up. And then Kandori just kind of submits Emmy with an armbar, and we're out of here. I was uh, pretty disappointed with this one, but it gave me further perspective on like where the veterans were, uh, at least in ring health wise. And oh, Candori, she not moving so well. Kyoko has seen better days. Emmy, however, she looked absolutely great. She was coming off uh, her like wrestler of the year in two thousand nine, <laughs> so naturally she was the one to get. <laughs> to take the fall, even though Fuka was mm-hmm. not too long after this retiring. So it's a wild kind of concept of situation there. And then we move on to a Korkin Hall show from Neo, The Neo spectacle in uh, Saichi Korkin. Uh, reminder, this is the tag team title match of Kurihara and Yoshiko Tamura defeating Hiroyo Matsumoto. She's back, JPQ. Teaming with Misaki Iwata. Covered that back in episode 8, I believe. That's a 20-minute match. I believe I went uh, either two or three out of three recommendation there. So it's a highly rated match. It might be actually in the conversation for match of the year in 2010. Well, I ha- when I saw this on the paper, I'm like, we. I know we didn't cover this because I would have remembered Amazing Kong teaming with Nanai Takahashi defeating Kyoko Inoue and a woman called Vanessa the Mountain. <laughs> Gotta love it. <laughs> it went 15 minutes and oh my god it felt like it. It was forever. Just the four biggest women wrestlers they could book I guess. Nai, Nanai is by far the smallest person in this match. It's not even close. So this is a case where we see Nanai, she has to sell for Kyoko in a way. And uh, there's some wacky spot she has planned with Awesome Kong uh, known as Amazing Kong. Uh, but it, mostly, it's just a slow Kyoko show with some good selling by Kong. Uh, Vanessa just stays out of the match mostly here. Uh, she does get in eventually at the end. She hits three cool cannonballs into the corner in before eating a power bomb and a second round splash from Kong. So Nanai tried to play this off as uh, more comedy than going to work because I guess she knew her team was going to lose or something. Uh, who knows? but uh, she tried to make it as entertaining as possible for, you know, uh, Awesome Kong not moving so well, Kyoko in a way not moving so well, Vanessa the Mountain. um, I gotta say, she's not great, JPQ. (laughs) (laughs) But okay, there's a little catch up there, give you an idea. So on to the wonder, the world of Stardom title match, the very first defense in the title's history. November 12th, 2011, Nanai Takahashi taking on Natsuki Tayo, which they built up for a couple months prior with Tayo actually getting a pinfall victory over Nanai. And they were kind of trading wins and and, uh, beefing with each other a little bit. Uh, This took place from Shinkiba First Ring uh, on day three of the Stardom Tag League. 27 minutes, 46 seconds. And before I give my rating and thoughts, JPQ, what did you think of this epic style longer match?
1: Loved it. I um, I think there was a lot of. I think when you watch it, you know, there's a lot of spots where they're in a hold, Mm -hmm. right? An STF on the ground, or and it's just cranking for 30 seconds, 45 seconds as a breather, um, and that kind of kills it a little bit. But, um, you know, overall, they went almost a half hour, I think. And, you know, it was, they worked the entire, whatever it was, 27 minutes. Like, they just moved, and they hit, and they then took a rest, and then they repeated. And it was just, it never stopped. Um, And that was really nice. And you kind of knew where it was headed um, as you were watching it. And you're like, okay, this could be you know, a draw or something like that. And then, you know, it it just got better as the match went on. And that's all you're kind of looking for, regardless of uh length is start, middle, end. And I think it ended really, really well. I don't let you break it down, but you know, it was just overall, like you left that match hyped to uh continue to watch wrestling. And that's dope.
0: Yeah, it, t- it took a while for us to get to this point, uh, Foreign and I to defend uh, the title she won in the summer. So that's uh, that's quite something to uh, keep an eye out on for a lot of these promotions and just how often they defend these titles, how often you see a match, and who particularly is in them. Uh, that's, I think, more important than, I would say, the quality of the match. The quality of the match is uh, more from our uh, entertainment wrestling fan perspective perspective uh, from the kind of business side and booking side, uh, just who, what, when, where is uh, the other aspect that we that that, or at least I like to look at. So uh, you might be shocked, but I gave this the full three out of three recommendation. It is a match of the year contender. I was it's really strong. Absolutely floored with how just great this match was, and like you said, they really never let up. And outside of really the uh, beginning kind of sector of the match where Nanai is doing kind of a, like a camel clutch type hold. And what, what ends up happening is it's a, it's a, it's a super counter wrestling match. It really comes across like a Lucha Libre match, except the fact that Nanai doesn't do Lucha Libre. So it's mostly Tayo doing all of these wacky moves like Rey Mysterio out there and I was making jokes while watching this uh, with a couple of people uh, in the Discord watching this with me, is the only the only time, like, Nene sold anything was how tired she got wrestling at this pace for 28 minutes. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. It's true. Uh, Tayo absolutely got the shit kicked out of her. Her mouth was busted open. Her face was just heavily swollen because there's just countless sequences in between other sequences where Nanai would stop on a dime, She'd no-sell, and then she just goes into this slap exchange where, boy oh boy, you know, we see some Tam Nakano matches, some Sai Kamatani. Uh, you could even reference, like, Ari to be more of the older school style. Nobody, nobody holds back a slap less <laughs> than Nandai Takahashi. Natsuki Tayo had no chance. I mean, if you told me this was a half-shoot boxing match at times, I might believe you, because Tayo really took a beating here. There was also no less than the three or four instances of backdrop drivers of Denai laying out Tayo right on her head and neck. Just brutal wrestling to watch. Uh, Mix that in with the high pace that never let up, with the exception of that period I mentioned at the start. Uh, And then Tayo... Tayo was put into some pretty damn poor... Submission holds in between where Nanai uh, got control in matches while Tayo was able to, I guess, uh, compose herself back and get some energy back. Uh, But um, yeah, there was like the, the Nanai submissions were really wacky. Particularly, she botches like a half crab. She's not locking in cross faces very well. When they got away from these submission holds and they after they collected themselves, and Tayo was able to just run around the ring at this high pace, and it was up to Nanai to kind of uh, stay with it, it really reminds me more of, like, a Lucha Libre match. And I think that's why I liked it so much. It's uh, It came across like a, a high-speed match, really.
1: Yeah, I think so. I th- and, you know, it was Tayo's offense, and, and Nani knows how to work with her because they're, like... You know, they've been doing it forever together. Right. And so they went out there and just kind of traded offenses and then just kind of played the idle defense to like, or the counter defense um, to it. And they just kind of, um, you know, scrambled for 25 minutes. It was awesome. Um, It was really, really good. And it's just, you don't see a lot of that uh, to that level, to that length for uh, in today's Joshi. You know what I mean? Like. And that was a lot of fun. So they went out there and they worked. It was awesome.
0: Yeah, the I mean the closest comparisons I could make, top of my head, is like the at least from a pace perspective, would be a Sukasa Fujimoto Sukushi match that we saw uh in twenty twenty one. The one just really high pace. Uh Sukasa Arisa work at a really high pace themselves and uh obviously like just about any azumi match you could throw out there, Ozumi Mesuruga, Ozumi Starlight Kid. They just keep going. Yeah,
1: they do keep going. Um, but like, when was the last Azumi twenty-seven minute match?
0: Right, none of them are almost half an hour, and that's the right. major difference between this. And That's why it really got to that next level for me. Is just the sheer amount of time they were able to work like this, and how they were able to fill in the gaps, even if mm-hmm. I wasn't a fan of the nice submission game. There was a purpose to it, and it felt like yeah, right, it made sense. Yeah, it made sense to the match, and I was I was totally okay with that. I'm I'm less okay with Nanai <laughs> trying to uh, come across like she's big leaguing people. Uh, I I attribute that to a number of things. It could be personality wise, training wise, uh, the the era she came up when in because you see you see that with quite a few other people uh, from that era. I think Subasa Kurigaki. Uh, wrestles like that quite a quite a lot. She does give a little bit more. It's it's a style thing that I'm not a fan of because I just don't think it really puts over the person you're wrestling well at all. Because when it came to near falls in this match with Natsuki Tayo, it was really only the roll up moves that got me and from what I could tell the audience. When Tayo was trying to hit her springboard moonsaults and she's flying to the outside, you know, those were all cool and got a pop, but whenever she'd follow it up with a pin, you know, it's just too much kicking out at like one and a half and a two. The near falls just never seem to come unless it was a roll up. Maybe I'm looking too much into it. Maybe I I got too much headcanon going on. It's just the way it kind of felt uh, coming off to me, even though I still absolutely love this match. It was great. That'll take us into year-end stars, 2011, December 23rd, are one of three shows we'll be covering here at the year-end of 2011. JPQ, there was 272 people here at Osaka at Minami Move-On Arena. I kind of like that name. <laughs> uh, headcanon uh, Manami Toyota ma- named this, and she said move on. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, first match is how we're going to do this. I'm going to say the match, the result, and you're going to give me your thoughts, JPQ. All right. Are you ready? Let's see. Yoshiko and Yu Yamagata defeat Susa and Hiroyo Matsumoto in the opener. 14 minutes, 8 seconds.
1: Yeah, I liked um I liked what Yoshiko was and what she became and then what she was and then what she didn't become and then where she is now. Like she's had an interesting trajectory to her entire career. It's
0: a it's a unique um, trajectory, yeah.
1: <laughs> right, but like you see where she is now physically compared to everybody, even Hiroo, who like still's got size to her then, you know what I mean? Like she's got a good frame for wrestling. Like um man, she just you know, she's just... Uh, you see why they made her the world title. Um, I made her the champion. Um, I thought this match was a good representation of that. In a tag team match that mixed up pretty well, I thought. Um, you know, considering it was clipped to three minutes, uh, I'm going to say <laughs> we see, like, like the highlights of, of it are, um, you know, what I said. Like, I haven't even mentioned you and Ari because they're not really a factor in those three minutes outside of getting beat. Um, and then it was over and that's, you know, that's about as much as, uh, as many notes as I had on it.
0: Yeah. I mean, you can find these full, you can find these full versions in various places online, uh, Russian websites and the like, but, um, yeah, on stardom world, it's clipped to about three minutes and there's some drop kicks, high boots. Yoshiko submits Arisusa with an abdominal stretch with the middle finger out. And, uh, before I've sought out the whole version, I was like, I told myself, and I wrote here in my notes, I can't imagine chilling with this match into Arisusa for almost 15 minutes. Luckily, Horio Matsumoto has so much more time in this match, and her mixing it up with Yoshiko and and Yamagata is pretty good stuff. But the susa stuff, it's, it's too much on the ground, so that's that aspect of the match I don't think people are going to enjoy, uh, and that's why it's in the opener. But Horio Matsumoto opener girl. But yeah, you totally see why uh, Stardom kind of had their... You see them in year one. Who they kind of plucked out to be at the top immediately to carry, and then who they were heating up through various other matches. And there's a there's a good one here we're going to cover that I was really satisfied with. But uh, next, Nanai Takahashi and Saki Kashima, your favorite. Lose to Io Shirai and Mayu Iwatani 17 minutes. I was actually only able to find the 12-minute version of this match while uh, only eight minutes is on Stardom World. What would you think, JPQ?
1: Well, I think what they did is they took every future star and Nane, who was a star at the time, (laughs) and put them together and said, this is the future of professional wrestling um, I mean, you're going to see three or four and then you got EO in the WWE and then you got three of them wrestling for stardom in the next month or so it come on you know <laughs> 10 years later uh, everybody knew Saki was going to be you know what she is back I, then. I will interrupt um, you right
0: there Saki Kashima has one of the higher potential ceilings between Oh yeah, most she of these other people. In the prom- she did that yeah. little
1: like transition. I mean, she was always kind of rolling over people. Um, Dude, she does the uh, the I'm whole
0: Minami Toyota up and over into yeah, like a crucifix bomb on EO. That was incredible. Yeah,
1: yeah that was, and that was like her either. I don't know if it was a signature move or if it was a finisher. Because I don't know how many people she actually pinned with it on the unsure couple. Um, She's <laughs> bringing tags and trios. <laughs> yeah, well. I think that's why she went revival. Just did like an easier version of the cheeky <laughs> pen, you know, just found one a little bit less acrobatic. She's uh, like, look, man, I got my
0: Nikes. I got, I got my yeah. big Macs and so to eat.
1: Off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm coming back. I'm not as, you know, uh, agile as before, but check this. Boom. Look pinned. <laughs> um, and she was great again, even back then roster glue. And again, there's a reason Saki. And again, not to get off too much on the Saki John, but, um, There's, like, inaugural artist champion. Uh, if it wasn't this year, it was beginning of 2012. Um, and then she's now, like, the most uh, reigns with the artist title 10 years later. Like, always been good. I mean, I've said it so many times, and you know this, roster glue. Um, so much good roster glue uh, that you put her in a tag like this with Io and Mayu, and what they end up becoming. And then Nana and, and her position at the time, incredible, incredible spot for her on what will become, you know, like world or um, year end climax, like, you know, big show every year. So pretty awesome, pretty awesome stuff.
0: Ultimately, Yoshirai Shirai kicks her head off buzzsaw style, pins her with a moonsault, yes. <laughs> which is about right. It's about right. All right, our semi-main event because these cards were very short back then. Natsuki Tayo versus Yoko Bito. They go to a fifteen-minute time limit draw. Everyone's stardom favorite result. I went one yeah, out we of three recommendation on this. What'd
1: you think? It wasn't. It wasn't great. It wasn't. I mean, I'm not. It wasn't bad, but it wasn't like like it's some ec, or epic Tayo Bito matchup, you know. Um. Yoko's not exactly. they just didn't jive. Uh, I thought. Ah, you didn't um, jive
0: with you as much as me. Okay.
1: Yeah. Um. I again certainly didn't think it was bad. Um. Uh, it just it never really got going for me in a way. Um. Where I was like completely engaged, but I found it to be, um, you know, fluid. Like they knew what they were doing. Um. Mm-hmm. Yoko Bito still. Uh, this is before Wonder, right? Um, correct. I mean, it's before Wonder run, obviously, but it's before the, even like the Wonder title, right?
0: No, like, uh, Wonder title was defended in the main event.
1: What am I thinking of then? Did she hold another title? Never mind. Okay. Um, you're right. <laughs> I don't know why I said Wonder. Um, but yeah, it was it was good, and it went to a draw. And I thought that I, I'm glad it was a 15 minute draw, though. Like that's the only thing; it's a little deceptive. Is like it's going, it's going, it's going, and then it just kind of ends, you know. And then you're like, oh, and then it's like 15 minutes. And you're like, ah, shit, okay, I see. Um, but for that 15 minutes, you know, again, good match.
0: See, I got a totally different vibe on this one. Uh, the first half was a lot of Tayo playing with her food, <laughs> type deal because she's uh, the veteran, so much better. Not a whole lot of Beto offense, so it was kind of odd seeing someone the size of Beto against someone the size of Tayo, and it's the opposite kind of getting heat dynamic to it. Right. That's where I wasn't kind of feeling it. And then the second half starts, and it just goes off for some good stuff. Between the high octane, Tayo, Lucha Libre, and Beto's ability to start using her size in the match and power for simple good spots, that all worked pretty well. I believe there was uh, a couple instances where Tayo would try some springboard maneuver uh, and she'd fly at Beto and Beto would sidestep and just kick her in the chest really hard and she'd just splat to the ground. Ruled. I love that. And I thought, the, I thought it had a nice hot finish uh, between some decent near falls. Uh, my favorite being the counter from Beto on Tayo trying the Manami Toyota up and over, and she stops her and B-drives her ass right into the mat. Uh, but, but, Tayo changes that momentum completely into a code red. So to reiterate, it's that Manami Toyota up over the shoulder, Tayo's stopped, gonna go B-Driver, and as she's trying to drive it down, Tayo continues that momentum into a Code Red. It's a pretty like high difficulty maneuver, the way it sounds, and it absolutely is, but they executed it so great, and that was the biggest moment of the match. I love that. Uh, time expires was. after a weak little 8-inch power bomb from Tayo. Doesn't even like, get her up at all. And uh, Moonsault, that pretty much missed B2 altogether, so Maybe if that finish was a little bit more crisp and not, well, executed poorly, maybe I would have been higher on this. But this is the continuing part of booking that I do like, is they want, they need more than just Yuzuki Aikawa, the hot model that they're putting the title on, Nanai Takahashi at the top, the veteran with the title, and then Tayo being a workhorse. They need more than that. And doing matches like this where Tayo's kind of veteran attitude cost her from putting over putting Bito away faster, and Bito gets a big like semi push feel going to a draw rather than her just getting beat. I think it accomplishes much more. Wonder of stardom title match, Yuzuki Aikawa defeating arisa hoshiki in 10 minutes the shortest match on the show by far what'd you think um
1: not great
0: well definitely technically like no. of a mark.
1: <laughs> yes yeah, right like it felt bigger than what the <laughs> wrestling lived up to you know, um, w- this isn't the work rate wonder title at this time. Um, they were weird. Um, it just felt like it never really got into a sink. Um, but uh, other than that, like, you know, it, I think it was a good end for uh, like a December 23rd show. You know what I mean? Sure. Like, I think it like it finished well and it was like the the pageantry coming out, I felt was good. Um, and and all that felt. I think Stardom always has done a good job of presenting their titles with a bit of prestige. Um, the match was a little bit of a dud.
0: The match was a clunker, but it yeah, it really was. I adored this. <laughs> it's just awkward, mistimed spots left and right. But man, did I still love this? This was so funny. This was I good kicks they started out establishing Hosh- Hoshiki is taller and has much longer legs. They do some quick kiss- kicks into quick pins and then they both botch. Hoshiki stumbles out of the somersault kick up off the head and then Yuzupan tried the normal kip up and she just <laughs> splats on her back. She flops like a fish. Uh, it's spectacular. So she's on her knees, big smile on her face and then she just claps with the crowd just dying in laughter it is I, I gift this thing on Twitter it's just amazing I, I love this start it's so funny that they're just like okay we're going to establish that we're both strikers and kickers and then we're both going to try this Lucha Libre thing and it did not work out
1: <laughs> no nope.
0: like anytime they tried a wrestling move they were just totally off but the match got super compelling and even great at times short times mind you but great nonetheless in those short times when they were just kicking and doing counter for t- counter kick exchanges you know what instances right. i'm talking about there
1: yes yeah the drama of the kicks um was a, it, it broke up the the wrestling match pretty good right. um and you were hooked and then they try to wrestle it again and that just didn't
0: no that, that never that, that took off were.
1: that was never even close
0: so, the best, uh, the best one, I, I wrote this uh, this uh, sequence down here. It's a double back-and-forth block, as they're both going for high kicks. Hoshiki dodges out of a spin kick. Yuzupon blocks a low kick. Ducks, but then gets quickly hit with the question mark kick to the face from Hoshiki. It was very smooth, very cool. More of that, perfect that. Like, that was great. And they even managed to get some uh, popping high kick near falls move in there where they're doing these strike exchanges. And then just one of them would end up connecting with a high kick and the other would just fall like a tree in the forest. Those were good, good little moments there. I loved ultimately yuzupon cracks, a high kick reaches way up for an ax kick as Hoshiki is standing on her feet. And there's, there's, you know, the height advantage there. And then she finishes off with the shining wizard very fun. I won't give this a recommendation, but I still had a blast watching this. It was good. From that perspective. Difference between my work rate fandom and then just my fandom of watching wrestling and having fun. How's that right. for an analysis?
1: <laughs> yeah, I think that's what, you know, why most people like Joshi. You know what I mean? I think it's got that that element to it.
0: I mean, I, I more or less enjoyed uh, the recent like Ice Ribbon final between Sariano and uh, Yuki Mashiro. Like, Mm -hmm. I can't say it was a great match technically by any means, but it really reminded me of this in a lot of ways, where they tried to create uh, as much drama as they possibly could with the skill level that they could uh, muster up between them, and I think they accomplished at least that aspect of it.
1: Yeah, they did crush that. That was good. Yeah. Yeah, I would say that this falls in line with that. Absolutely.
0: That's just my recent comparison I'm I'm making here. But uh, So, yeah. Uh, I got four 2010 DVDs from Neo. Here's the first one. Just real quick through it. I'm sure you'll love just listening to this, uh, JPQ, because I don't know if you got a- around to watching this DVD. Did you? No, not yet. Okay. So it's at the uh, Chikusa Sports Center in Nagoya, Aichi, Japan. Uh, attendance of 473. Looks inflated there, uh, JPQ. I. A very skeptical number. of this 473 number.
1: <laughs> what are they pulling, uh, Kirk and Hall? Doesn't say Neo. Um, oh,
0: they lied to hell with those numbers.
1: I'm glad they did. Why not? You're going Why out of business. Lie. It
0: doesn't matter. <laughs>
1: What's all, yeah right? What's another 90, 85?
0: <laughs> Mima Shimoda defeats Hamako Hoshi in the opener. Eight and a half minutes. Gotta love it. <laughs> kind of a nothing match out of Ham. Honestly, uh, botched finish after the ref messes up the count, or Ham forgets to kick out. Either way, Shimoda gives this ref the look. So obviously, I expect heavy chain smoking to blow off some steam after the match here. Dragon nice. Suplex finishes off the Ham. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: How's that Ham? How's that review? You know... <laughs>
1: yeah right i mean that's the thing i didn't watch the match so i can't comment but i'm just thinking about what i would think Shimoda versus ham would be back in 2010 and this doesn't feel out of place you know what i mean like oh
0: it's exactly what you'd think it is
1: yeah ham is a (laughs) ham she's such a character she cracks me up
0: yeah the botch finish really makes it even better of
1: course it does but like i expect that you know what i mean like why not why not throw a botch in there every once in a while (laughs) get people talking about you you know what i mean
0: Haley Hatred defeats Basara in the next match. Uh, Basara is a snake neck tattoo woman. Weirdly good and solid, I must say. Hatred wins via the spin fisherman driver. So, this is interesting just from the perspective that JWP in 2011 heavily pushes Haley Hatred. Okay, we're going through it right now. Uh, I believe she just lost the title in between us covering JW, JWP shows, getting re- ready for the Yonayama retirement show at the end of the year. Uh, that's going to be a phenomenal episode to do. I can't wait to cover it on this. But um, very solid. Uh, look, I'm a Haley Hatred fan. This journey has made me a fan of hers. And we I, I mentioned this on the, Shimmer, the couple Shimmer shows we did in the last couple podcasts. And now I'm going to mention it here. This woman had something as, like, top foreign gaijin material. And it's weird to me that even in Shimmer, she's one of the higher work rate people. She's got size. She clearly has a nice, uh, like, outward personality to get over uh, when she wrestles. And yet, more often than not, if it's not JWP, she's in, like, openers or second from the bottom. I guess some people slip through the cracks, eh? I guess so. Yeah. It's kind of a bummer. You never know. Manami Toyota defeats Sukasa Fujimoto 13 minutes. Manami Toyota is a giant compared to this little Tsukasa Fujimoto. <laughs> oh my god. The side by side is incredible. It is funny. So solid work. I went one out of three on this. Um Maybe that should be a surprise. It's Tsukasa and Manami Toyota <laughs> working together. But uh, Thick Toyota just selling her ass off to make a match out of this, uh, which is interesting. So I actually had this conversation with a few people in Discord. And l- l- let me let me pick your brain here, JPQ. Let's see if uh, you kind of feel what we're thinking. When it comes to people like Minami Toyota, uh Bull Nakano, Akira Hokuto, when they're against a co high, a student, um, a lower card person, more often than not, you see them work to them selling, and they sell their ass off by the end of it. Uh, yes, they usually ultimately win the match, but um, I guess they call—I I guess uh, a term, a terminology I keep hearing throw around, at least in the wrestling sphere—is uh, the Ric Flair strategy. You wanna make someone you wanna try to make someone you're wrestling. So, oh, you know what? Harley Race came up with that. Make someone credible that you're wrestling, so then why by the end of it, people people already know you're the star, so now you've made the opponent more of a star coming out of it. And it's always those people on top that kind of seem to get it, while the people that were kind of that tier below never quite made it to the guy and they work to sell almost as little as possible uh, I call it big leagging <laughs> it's kind of some people might call it sandbagging but uh, I think they're two, two totally different things but um, I put like Yumiko Hota in that category what do you What do you think about this uh, conversation and analysis um,
1: well when it comes to Hota I've seen current day And, like, 94. Okay. (laughs) And there's a complete difference, you know what I mean? Uh Uh-huh. So I have a lot more work to do before I think I can comment on Hoda. Okay.
0: (laughs) Well, I'll tell you what. I bring Hoda up because the more I'm getting into the early 90s on Old Japan Women Destiny and over at Red Leaf Retrocast going through it, the more, like, Aja Kong and Akira Hokuto's of the world become stars, the less I'm seeing Hoda start selling everything. Just kind of like an observation. I'm also like really dialed in on trying to look for these things. (laughs) I think it's a pretty
1: decent push depending on where you are.
0: I'm currently Um, at the beginning of '93.
1: Okay, beginning of '93. So she did a. I think
0: it was like '95 ish is when
1: Japan Cup. Yeah. Where she crushed it to the finals. Like every match was like phenomenal. Okay. Um,
0: Maybe I'll get some new perspective, but it's just yeah. It's, I think it's coming. I
1: think it's, it's more it's coming. or
0: less the conversation of of um, you know, you never saw like Kevin Nash heavily sell, you know. Uh th- no, th- it's the Jeff did. Jarrett joke of uh, how many bumps is he gonna take in this match? Less than three? <laughs>
1: <laughs> <It's> gotta be. <laughs>
0: you know those those kind of conversations, and in this match against Sukasa Fujimoto, who is really only a star in Ice Ribbon that bubble, Toyota is still bumping all around the ring gearing up for and building up near falls to make it seem like she has a chance of losing. I I don't know. It's it comes across as, as a pro move over the, an ego move. She's willing to put herself aside to try to get someone else over. I think Jaguar Yokota does that uh, pretty well as well. Uh, Case in point, the next match, Jagger Yukota and Tanny Mouse. There's a combination. Defeats Kayaku Hariyama and Megumi Yabashida. 12 minutes, 39 seconds. I gotta say, the leg muscles on Megumi here are incredible. JPQ, I am not kidding you. She takes a step and her quads just explode. This is how fit this woman is.
1: Nice, the old like, Triple H.
0: You know, t- like... <laughs> She looks like she would take one step for me, and I'd be like, "Man, I i am not ready for this woman. <laughs> Hold on, <laughs> need to need to take a breath." Plus, she's got this like high standard black and green gear going on, uh, just very professional looking and v- very uh, above her her game. Uh, I always like a a good—I I always like a good gear game as someone like you who's very uh fashionista, <laughs> if you will. Try to be. Yeah, uh, don't dress like your audience. You dress like a, a star, and this came across more as a star for Megumi. Now, does she have the star power of Jaguar Yokota? Uh I could, I, I, think we could safely say no, but uh, the match starts off with r- some real good counter-wrestling between Megumi and Jaguar. Hell, give me this match over the next thing that happened. Uh, that is Mouse and Hariyama doing comedy and wacky sumo nonsense. This was pretty cringe. But let me say this. Once the starting comedy was done and focused on the wrestling, this got real good. And because it has some of those comedy elements and you're the Wave fan, JPQ, I think you'd love this match. (laughs) I'm in. So the finish was especially good. Yabashida and Jaguar. And yes, Yabashida is a student of early JD star, trained by Jaguar. So all makes sense in the world here. The finish sees Jaguar go to, go for a fisherman suplex countered into a small package, but Jaguar counters that into her own small package for the win. So there's your Lucha Libre, kind of upper-level 80s uh, aspect of wrestling that Jaguar Yokota brings. I went one out of three on this, even with the comedy that I absolutely did not like. Semi-main, Sonic and Yuki Miyazaki defeat Aya Yuki and Tsubasa Kurigaki. This one's 17 minutes. Simple version is, these four still have knees. <laughs> That's my description. Running the ropes, springboards a couple times, barreling into each other with clotheslines. So yes, this was hoss girl battle and solid as hell. Very much enjoyed this I'd two what, out of three. You anybody, would adore anybody, this match.
1: I'm sure I would. I've, if anybody ever said that to me, which is great, you should tag that. Um,
0: Hoss girl battle, battle solid as hell, yes.
1: Like battles <laughs> have pay per views. Um, I'm gonna watch it so sold,
0: yeah. Uh, you would not be disappointed watching this. Uh, they just run at each other and barrel. It's pretty awesome. Oh, uh, I
1: people, Hoss fights are always good, it's pretty much what made Memphis. You know what I mean? Correct, For all yeah, that with like Kamala
0: and all, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> big
1: old Hoss fights, like it. that shit sells, people love that stuff.
0: And the main event, I went three out of three recommendation on this. It's uh, it's moved up to one of my like top ten of 2010. It's Yoshio defending the Neo title against, no it's not Nanai Takashi, it's, it's Hiroyo Matsumoto, and they went 20 minutes. Yeah, this was a pretty easy full three. Uh, once they got through the first half and built up the exhaustion, so they were telling a story with that part, I was thinking that it was just okay. But once they spill outside and brawl, Haroyo got a chair and blast tomorrow with the back of it and busting her mouth and lip open, this unsafe worker, this Haroyo, this lady destroyer, if you will. Uh, this match, from this point on, steps up to upper gear and it just never lets up and it's very similar to the kind of pace and energy that the Nanai, Takashi and Taiyo match we were talking about earlier. Though, obviously, not as much Lucha Libre in this one. But Hiroyo just obliterates Tamura with stiff sentons from the top. They do slap exchanges, and even does this uh, deadlift double-arm suplex like pancake thing. Really stro- shows off the strength of Hiroyo extremely well gets a big pop out of the crowd and it really looks like tamora is holding on desperately in this match so here you go again someone who's reached the top and she's trying to make it seem like she's going to lose and this being a title match oh she stepped that aspect up tenfold over Uh, So she's doing, like, desperate roll-ups to try to escape. It's not working. There's one big near-fall sequence where they're counting each other's elbow smashes. Uh, Hiroyo gets one through, uh, hits the back elbow with the Judas effect, for modern fans here, and follows through with a big backdrop driver. So we're going back to our Nanai match there. Uh, Tomura kicks out of that. Just great pop from me. And then, then we got some uh, Tam's Road here, except without the uh, sexual tension. <laughs> tomorrow slowly fights back, uh, Kings Road style. Finally getting Haroyo with a modified backdrop off the top rope. I thought they were gonna hit this like low ceiling because in the uh, Toyota match earlier, she's like grabbing it from the top rope. But um, yeah, tomorrow signals the running elbow smash. She connects, finishes it off with the air raid crash. Uh, but she keeps it rolling into a driver. That's her move. So I'm calling this the Air Raid Driver. I'm probably I'm sure it has some wacky name, but uh, that's what it is. A great match. Definitely seek this one out. The semi-main and main event on the show were very good. Uh, so considering that I got a 3 out of 3, a 2 out of 3, a 1 out of 3, another 1 out of 3, this Neo card uh, really delivered to an upper standard uh, for for at least the the ring perspective, very satisfying.
1: I love that Hiroyo had a hell of a year. Like you just even on this hour or so that we've done, she's on. She, she was my, on
0: every show that we she was covered. On every
1: show, and it's good um, because she's awesome. So
0: yeah, Hiroyo, You know what? Let me let me check where her where she stands in the twenty eleven kind of. Uh, thing we're bringing up here for cuz so I have the match guide and how many um matches that they make it and there's points and blah blah blah. Like Kana and Ayumi Kurihara are like one two easy and then it kind of it's like a hodgepodge from there. Haroyo's in the top 20. So sure. for someone who like doesn't get a push, she's not a veteran in the scene. She's not like cramming up under cards and trying to put on good 12-minute matches. She's just kind of scattered She's a top twenty wrestler in the scene right here.
1: Do you like a freelance goat? Like do you think she goes down as freelance goat?
0: No, I think I still think that's like Ayumi Kurihara type person.
1: I don't know, longevity her, her, counts for something. I mean known her forever.
0: Freelance hell is is a real thing. There's only like so many times you could see the person kind of come in and then they leave and they don't really it's yeah. hard it's hard to invest in that's why that's why you don't see freelancers really in the news or the media, because... Oh, who is that? It's just hard as a fan to invest in someone you know isn't being invested with in these promotions that you're showing up in.
1: Correct. They're spectacle wrestling only.
0: Right. So it's very difficult to get to a level for the spectacle to be great. And I'm right. happy to say, in this case, against Yoshiko Tamura... Uh, she's absolutely there. Yeah, I think she's
1: there most times. I, mean, I like her own single stuff. Her single stuff is usually pretty solid. I wonder where she was in uh, 2010. She's solid so on tag. And she's great in
0: mix, But So that was 2011. She's top 20. Where is she at in 2010?
1: She's like my top seven.
0: Uh, She's uh, seventh. Yeah.
1: Boom. She's yeah.
0: seventh. And uh, Yoshiko Tomura was wrestler of the year in 2010.
1: Uh, not a bad that, defeat then
0: not bad at all okay so the next ev- so um I'm not going to give Stardom Urine Climax a rating uh, it was just good from a historical perspective that Neo show that we just uh, talked about I might give that like two out of three stars
1: i we'll to have to go watch it
0: yeah so the next episode is from December twenty third, twenty eleven. It is JWP Climax twenty eleven, the retirement of Kaori Yoniyama. I hate to bring bring out spoilers early, but um, something tells me she doesn't retire. JPQ.
1: <laughs> it's it's a it is a real historical moment <laughs> in Joshi history.
0: It's definitely something worth listening to. It's worth it's worth watching at least once in your lifetime. It is it is quite something to behold, and I can't wait. Uh,
1: she's the best. She swerved everybody.
0: So this was episode thirty-nine. Remember, if you want these episodes two weeks early, you can sign up for the Patreon, patreon.com slash Redleaf Retrocast. And if you're listening on the old Japan De- Women Destiny feed for free, at least spread the word. JPQ, thank you for joining me on another episode. See you next time.